Welcome to the Victorian Parent Council VPC Parent Podcast Series. VPC is a registered charity organisation dedicated to everyone who support parents in educating their children. I'm Jackie Vanderveld, your host today. So we're welcoming back Michelle Mitchell. Uh, Michelle, Michelle, I can't believe this. We, I can't believe I actually have to read your intro. I should know this off by heart. Oh, come on. Jackie, what's with this? So Michelle is a, an award-winning speaker and best-selling parenting author. She's written two new books, so we're, we're going to mention those tonight as well. Um, that's why she's been so busy. She's been writing books <laughs> and is writing again too. She's been termed the teenage expert by the media and is sought after for her compassionate and grounded advice for parents um, and parenting tweens in particular. Um, Michelle started her career as a teacher but soon discovered a special interest in wellbeing. She left teaching in 2000 to found Youth Excel, a boutique health promotion a charity which delivers tailor-made life skills programs and psychological services to thousands of young people and their families. Today, she uses her experience to write and speak in schools, community events, and through the media. So please welcome Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. I feel <laughs> like a regular. You, How you are a regular. great things to talk about tonight, though. This is going to be a we good We do. Talk. We do. About, I know it's, it, it's, you know, it's the talk. <laughs> the talk um and I don't know about you but my experience was oh my goodness but when, with my parents I wanted to die from embarrassment I'm sure they did too <laughs> and I think I kind of think I'm pretty sure I did it better I'm pretty sure I did it better with In my kids should we do it a little bit better yeah yeah although I'm sure my kids have a very different recollection of <laughs> A recollection of that. Yeah, I know that. Right. I know that. Um, you know, from moving from being unsure about it to me being quite brutally brutal, be honest about things. I, I feel. I think my kids. Are, you know, maybe I scarred my children. I don't know. But I was a lot more open with them. That's for sure. Everyone's got a story, Jackie. That's what I find when I'm talking to families. Is everyone's got a memory of their parents either talking or not talking to them. And those memories stick. So I see this as quite a pivotal time in kids' lives. It's a memory-making time um, and we can use it that way. It's got a lot more to do with the memory and the feeling and the connection of it than just the topic itself. And it's that profoundly important role for parents, this, isn't it? It is. It's a sacred space in kids' lives. But with Google, um, Anyone can give our kids knowledge, but only we can stamp our values all over it. And that's exactly what we need to be doing. So gone are the days where we can slap a book on our kids' bed and run for our lives. You know how our parents did that? I don't think my parents even did that, Michelle. I think they just went, oh, do we have to talk about this? Yeah. Yeah. So many parents say, I mean, people like adults tell me that their parents handed them a book and that was the end of it, or it was a five-minute conversation and, you know, do you know about this? Okay, good, see you later. But these days it's got to be an ongoing conversation because our kids live in such a sexualized world that they're confronted by um, content that is, you know, adult-like at such a young age and we've got to make sure that we're in that space in their lives. Sure. So what is the right time, Michelle? When, when, uh, when are we having these conversations? When should we start? Because there's going to be, if you say it's a progression or yeah. multiple conversations, yeah? I feel like we make too much of a big deal about when the right time is. And we sometimes forget that it's in our kids already. And that's probably something that can just ease our concerns a little bit. 
parents are often concerned about it um, inducing curiosity in kids or they're concerned about them maybe talking to younger brothers and sisters or they might be concerned about overwhelming them with information as well. So look for signs that they're noticing and questioning and being inquisitive because we want them to channel their curiosity to the right places and the right place when they're tweens is actually to trusted adults. We don't want them to be channeling that curiosity anywhere else. So look for those curious signs. But I will say this, two, three minute conversations around about periods, around about body parts, around about consent need to be happening all the time. And there's no kind of like age from this moment on, that's when we talk about these things. I think we can do it, you know, often. I had a mum the other day who was talking to her seven-year-olds about periods. Now, when they're at that age, they're very concrete learners. So you give them information and they go, oh, okay. And so many mums have just been so shocked at that because they were expecting their daughter to have all these questions or have this big meltdown about it. But the reality is they went, oh, okay. Because we're forgetting that before they hit those teenage years, their brain is working very concretely. So they're actually just absorbing information as information, full stop. They're not, uh, their brain's not applying it in the same way they will as they grow older. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good advice because there is that learning, what they're ready for and what they're able to deal with is very, um, is very important to know, yeah? We want them to be able to live maturely with what information they have. And we know our kids, you know, and I think there is something to be said about trusting um, where they're at in their journey and listening to what they need and what they don't need and what they know and what they want to know and don't want to know. And I think we need to be showing respect to where they're at as well and not just sort of going, okay, you're 10, you've got to know all this stuff. Yeah. Drip feed it. Take, take your time with it. That's right. So what are some of the different ways that you have seen parents approaching sex yeah. education with their children? Okay, there's two camps, right? <laughs> so when I'm speaking to 100 parents in a school, what I see is parents that are either have not mentioned it and are actually quite apprehensive about that and their kids are around about 8, 9, 10. And then there's some parents who have been talking to their kids about body parts and you know body safety and the functions of their body since they were quite young and so for those families it's probably time for that information update where they just bring the values and the safety around it and have deeper chats around it but for parents that haven't made a start yet just small bite-sized chunks and your temperature checking where kids are at along the journey and along the path of it. Um, do you see parents sort of shifting? <laughs> I can imagine I can imagine sort of speaking in front of a group of parents and you can see these two camps emerging. Do you see them in during the course of the the, the your talk, do you see them sort of moving moving camps? Yeah, there's always one mum at the end that puts up a hand and tells me that she's been talking to her kids since they were like two years old. So tick, tick, tick. You know what I mean? But then there's the beautiful, honest dads who put up their hand and some of them are living with a girl on their own and mum's not around. And they're like, flipping help me, Michelle. And they say to me, can I have the, you know, those PowerPoints where you told us exactly what to say? Could, could I have a copy of those? I love it. I love it. That's great. Awesome dads. Keep going. Yeah, um, 
So what are some of the benefits then, Michelle, of having an open discussion? I mean, we've talked openly about lots of lots of subjects, particularly over last year, but this is one where we really have to be, we have to be honest all the time, but we really do have to be honest about stuff, yeah? Yeah. Um, okay, let me give you some research. 50% of our kids are dissatisfied or feel like they didn't get enough chats around their body, body safety, and also sexuality. So from what the research is overwhelmingly saying, it's telling us that we're saying too little too late and that our kids actually want more from us. So that's actually a bit of a confidence builder, okay? The benefits in talking a lot and a lot and often, especially before they're teenagers, because you and I know, Jackie, that once they hit teenage years, the roller doors go up. Yeah. It's much more difficult to talk to a 14-year-old boy about pornography um, than it is in a 10-year-old boy. It's just such a different um, conversation. It's so much easier when they're younger. So the two benefits in talking early and often are this. The first one is a lack of education from trusted adults in kids' lives. So that one, at least one person they feel highly connected to, a tribe and a partnership with schools is even better, is that they're more likely to less make um, poor choices as they head into those teenage years. So education becomes a bit of a protective factor. The second thing is, is that they're better able to adapt when puberty comes. Now, isn't that exciting? So our girls, let's talk about our girls and even our boys with more erections and all the rest of it, it can come as a shock to them. But if they're very well educated, they are more likely to be able to adapt and feel resilient and confident through that transition time. So what are some of the uh, things parents should absolutely avoid? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, it's not the whole conversation, folks. You're not getting off that lightly. But yeah, what- yeah, yeah. I think one of the things we should avoid is trying to do it in one big hit. That's what I think. I think we have been brought up with the mentality that you have the talk um, and then you go, do you get that? Do you have any questions? Come and see me if you've got any questions and your kid's going, oh, I'm not coming to you at all. Right? I've got any questions. <laughs> That's right. But I don't feel safe verbalising them. Today I was with grade fives. A beautiful little girl came to me afterwards and she said, okay, so if I don't feel comfortable talking to my mum and dad, who do I talk to? And as I spoke to this little one, I had that sense that she came from a fantastic home, but she struggled with anxiety. And I said, what is it that makes you feel like you would be uncomfortable talking to mum or dad? And she said, well, what if they um, think one of my questions is rude? Or what if they don't understand what I'm saying? And the preciousness of this little kid so concerned about her parents perception of her during a time where she's really sensitive and I said it is such a good thing that you feel cautious about discussions about this because that's there to keep you safe that's a good thing so we want to say to our kids this feeling of nervousness that they get I'm actually glad you've got that okay but when you do have questions you want to make sure you know where to channel those so we talked to her about that and I had a feeling that she just felt anxious that it was not so much about her relationship with her parents, but it was much more about what was going on inside of her. And I see over and over with kids' connection with parents in this area is mums blaming themselves because their daughters don't want to talk to them and, and went ahead and shaved their legs anyway. 
you know, without, without chatting first. Why couldn't she come to me? So what are some of the things that parents must do from what, you, well, from what you've been researching? What must they do? Okay, early often, okay, bite-sized chunks, um, trying to set yourself up as the expert in kids' lives and not squashing their curiosity but channeling it to healthy places, which is trusted adults. And also recognising, I think, the needs that our kids have. And I'll call them special needs because some of our kids are going to be more anxious than others. Others of them would have experienced some trauma in some way, whether they've stumbled across pornography or it's been an incident that's happened. And being sensitive that in some of those times, our kids are going to need more education and more padding, especially if they struggle with anxiety. Because I'm, I'm seeing a lot of kids really... Um, fearful about conversations and then when they get into them they're really drilling down because they want to know precisely the answer to things and for parents not to be afraid of that but really realize that education is preventative and they don't have to avoid it. Yeah, that's good. And actually, look, my next question has actually just been asked by somebody in the chat. Fantastic. My, my son is 11 and has already started puberty and doesn't want to talk with it about, about it with me. How can I help him to feel more comfortable about talking about it? So what are some tips there, Michelle? Find the moment. Don't force the moment. Okay, so so oftentimes we feel very rushed about it. But I promise you, if you are close enough for long enough, there will come moments where you can have those conversations. And I think particularly our boys who might not want to have some big deep chat where, you know, they're feeling highly exposed and vulnerable or interrogated. The moment they start to go through changes, it almost like puts a spotlight on it even more and they become more sensitive. So earlier is, is easier. Mm. I would do this, put a book. Oh, look, and look, and there's a book. Doesn't have to be my book. Yep. Put any book. And one mum the other day, she put a, a pile of 10 books because her daughter would like point blank was not talking to her. And especially with our girls, we've got this timeline we're working towards because if we know they're going to get their periods, we want to give them some education. Um, and so this mum had a pile of 10 books and within that pile she put one of those books and she said, you wouldn't believe it, Michelle. That's the book that's made its way up into her bedroom. And then about a week later, she found her dad and her daughter reading a few pages of this book before they went to bed. So I would say just put it in the vicinity for a minute. Don't push it. Don't force the moment, but just put it in the vicinity of your young man. Man, okay, terrific. Um, another one's come through. <laughs> what is the average age for girls going into puberty now? Has that changed? Yeah, it has. Okay, so it's 11, 11 and a half, between 11 and 11 and a half, depends what research you read. But it also says that um, we once sort of thought that changes were happening or starting around 10, 11, 12. But the new research is saying that kids are getting internal changes from about eight. On an average, and so those first signs of sass and mood, and those first signs where you know their smell starts changing a little bit, we've got to recognize and shift that as a sign of puberty. It's a sign that their body's starting to shift. So that means those conversations that we thought that we could hang off <laughs> a little bit longer on, we really need to be having them start having them in little pieces, little chunks, right about around that eight. I think so. 
I think it's a great age, actually. I really do. Mm. Around about grade four, they need to start really getting skilled up. Now, remember, they've got peers around them that are changing at different ages as well exposed to different things and talking about different things. So it's it's really positioning yourself well for the years that are lying ahead. Right, that's important. And also too, it's establishing, it's starting to establish a, a different dimension to the relationship that you have and, and the and the trust, mm-hmm. you know, building trust around another very personal topic that you subject with your child, yeah? Yeah, it's a platform of trust. Oops, I call it. It's a springboard. And the way that you handle the sensitivity and the care that you take in answering their very first questions, even if they're dodging their real questions, but they're sort of giving you these kind of peripheral questions, the way that you really lean into them during that moment where they're first starting to open their heart to you makes such a difference. Now, don't get on the phone and talk to grandma or don't let them overhear you talking to your son's mate's mum you know like you do when they're grade one and two because the moment they don't see you as a vault exclusively parenting them it shuts them down yeah no that's that's such a good point oh and that uh, and that uh, parent has said thank you that's a great help my daughter is eight in august and the sass has started so i think i think (laughs) <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's normal. It's going to happen. What um, I think happens, Jackie, sometimes we treat that like just pure behaviour change yeah. and we don't actually realise that some of this is very, um, it's it's driven by biology. It's, it's driven their bodies changing. And so that brought into the equation can really help empower us as parents. That's right. And it's such a special time, you know, take, you know, lo- love it, love it, live it, live it and love it. So we've got a question from Facebook. How early is too early? Um, this person has six-year-old, a six-year-old boy and girl twins. Yeah. Look, I say it like this. It's already in them. There's no such thing as too early, but they've got to be able to live with whatever information we give them maturely. So you think about them at the school context and, and how they might pass on that information or talk about that information, um, how they are going to live with it well. And so do it in bite-sized little chunks and start slow. Um, If parents are struggling getting started with talking to their kids about puberty, I suggest they write a big list of all the things they'd like to talk to their kids about. And they can start from the low-level stuff and work up. So when you've got six, seven-year-olds, start from that low-level stuff and see how they're handling that and then you can work your way up. Um, But if they have questions, give them the straight answer and if they ask more questions you know they're ready for more so you know they might see a pad or they might you know hear something and and just make a comment and just answer them straight to the point and see temperature check whether they have any more questions or do you understand that do you have another question and then go from there now just thought of something else Jackie that's really helpful for parents sometimes they can make a list of Um, things I'd like to talk about and they can use that for themselves to work their way up the ladder but sometimes I've seen it really helpful if you can give your children that list and your children can tell you what they'd like to talk about first and it gives you a bit of an idea of where they're at and what they're ready to handle as well. Yeah, that's a really lovely suggestion. So we've got another parent has got also got twins, or not twins, no, a a girl seven and a boy eight. Yes. Um, Best is it best to talk to them separately? 
have a boy talk and have a girl talk? I'll, I'll be thinking yes. Okay. Look, the research tells us this, that girls are more self-conscious about having talks about their body in front of boys than boys are in front of girls. So it actually, the the research coming about sexual health in schools actually says that boys are very comfortable and actually would prefer to have the chat with their female peers at the same time because there's less of that bravado and ego and it sort of balances the temperature of things, whereas girls are a little bit different. At home, with your family dynamics, it will be unique to you. And I, I think we need to take away the, the girl talk and the boy talk and make sure girls are getting an understanding of, of boys' bodies and boys of girls' bodies. So make it not so gender specific that they're missing out on that broader context because the research tells us that the more they know about the opposite sex, the greater the empathy they're having and the ability to show respect as well. Yeah, and I'd say to that parent, you are the best judge of that too. You know, you know your children better than anybody else. So be guided be, be guided by what you already know is is the right thing for them. Um, you know, I'd be saying start off, start off on their own and then if it's appropriate, you feel it's appropriate and they can handle it, then having that conversation about what's going on with the opposite sex is, is probably a useful thing too, just like Michelle said. Jackie, can I give you something that a parent um, was talking to me about the other day? They're watching a um, a mammal specialist from Animal Planet or something like that on the television, where it was all these mammals and birthing babies, and because they're all mammals, there's similarities with our bodies, and it became amazing whole family conversation about things that probably wouldn't have come to light, and there was a a boy, an elder boy, and a younger girl, and the boy would say, oh, it's not quite like that on our bodies. And and it just was a way that it would happen very naturally. So I find that the whole, um, I guess, discussion around animals and farm life and their interest there can really help too. Yeah. So there you go. Animal planet <laughs> to start off with might be, might need to provoke a few questions. Um some of the trickiest questions that kids ask is, is I think that's probably the thing that parents are the most concerned about. What can we do to prepare? <laughs> okay, read the resource that you want to give them to start with because even the most amazing CEO dads have started the conversation, especially when it gets into an area that's a little more pointed and they've just lost the words. And dads have told me, like, I just started talking about some rubbish over here and like you know like I've got these two eyes just looking at me and I lost it and you know these are guys that wing it in life and get away with it you know so it's not the type of chat you want to do that with read the book that you're going to give them from front to back and and know a little bit of your stuff and get your head around the language that you might use for some of it and I think that preparation is everything yeah, it is. I'm just thinking about there's a there's a, a car advertisement on at the moment. Okay. There are little little fellows in the back seat, and he asks the question something like where babies come from, and yeah. dad's you know they're driving the car and whatever, and yeah, and it cuts back to this little fellow. So dad's explaining, cuts back to this <laughs> little fellow. And there's just these oh, these oh, <laughs> these eyes. Kind of wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. Dad's right, he's done the right, done the right thing. Yeah, and that's he, right. We don't, we don't have to traumatize them, but we can do it gently. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
how can we as parents handle those changes in emotions? Because it's more than just yeah. the sex talk, right? There's so much there's a whole you know, myriad of issues and, and things yeah. that we talk to them about, yeah? Well, I particularly put a few additional chapters in my book that I thought was so important. And in the same way we educate kids about their bodies, we need to educate them about the brain changes that they're going to experience and that um, change in emotional state that they go through we need to prepare them for that a lot of kids get on the other side of 13 and they feel like bad people because all of a sudden they've got these big you know titanic size ginormous emotions that are just turbocharged and and they're now feeling like um you know my parents don't love me anymore because i'm so difficult to handle and they start labeling themselves as bad or naughty. And the reality is, is their body's just changing. And some kids hit changes all at once in this dense, short amount of time. Whereas for other kids, it is more spread out and it's more manageable. Um, so how do we prepare? We prepare them and talk to them about, you know, the brain and what it does and why it does that and how... As parents, you, I always said to my kids, you can borrow my prefrontal cortex anytime. Now, I had one beautiful, my, well, my one beautiful boy, not particularly organized. And when he went through high school, oh, Jackie, oh my gosh, <laughs> like seriously. But it was a joke with us. He goes, I need your prefrontal cortex, mum. And, and definitely, I said, yours can be called back on the job, Maddie. But for right now, it's missing in action. Like we've got to get this sorted out. And so if they, they realize that when they're struggling, we're actually here to fill in those gaps for a while and give them somewhere to lean and land while they're growing, what better message? Well, I think that's really essential because if we're, an ab if we're absent at those times, you know, where are they going to go? You know, they, they either flounder or they will be leaning on someone that we're not necessarily going to be happy about the consequences of at a later time, Yeah. So parents, parents, the parent job, step up, step up, step up, lean in. And it's in charge energy. I love that saying of yours. In charge energy. But it's a very gentle in charge energy at that time, isn't it? Compassion, you know. Yeah. And I think we've got to get our expectations right from the beginning. When we head into those teenage years or even just before, it is normal. It is appropriate. It is going to be a time that gets a little bit messy because our kids have got this very important job to do of finding their place in the world. And unfortunately, that can be a bit bumpy sometimes. And so if we're not thinking, if we're thinking that it's going to be all smooth sailing or that we're not realising how much rapid change they go through, you know, and you, you've got you've got to be light about it too. You can't be kind of like, um, you know, thinking that you're going to model this perfect adult and kind of regulate them to adulthood you've got to let them experience life a bit and you know their moods could be like hurricanes sometimes you know you might rate them hurricane five in the kitchen today hurricane four yep just depends hey yep. <laughs> so we've got another question that's come in um about um and this is particularly about autism specific. So children who, you know, who are on the spectrum, how, how do we do, how would we go about this? Yeah, I'm not a specialist in this area, okay, but I am sure Victorian Parents Council have a good list of specialists. I um, do know 
one charity that I speak quite highly of that has actually just closed its doors, unfortunately. But I think the specialist working with that family would be best to answer that one. And and parent, I mean children children depending on depending on the the level of autism we're talking about could be just the same. It's still going to be a parent conversation, but we can certainly the parent who's asked that we will we'll certainly get back with some information. Um, one thing I I will point you back to with that one, Jackie, is you know that saying I said before they've got to be able to live with it maturely. Yeah. And I think the conversations that we do have with kids that do have special needs in, in a vi- wide variety of places is that we're tailor-making this conversation with the purpose that they can live with it comfortably and maturely. And we've got time. You know, for some of our kids, we, we don't have to rush it. We have got time. And we can just, you know, slowly, slowly, slowly get to the point where they've got a comfort level to it. Yeah, exactly. So I've got an interesting question here. We've got my 11-year-old daughter lives with her stepmother um, and her father. Mm-hmm. How do I support my daughter with life stuff? Yeah, really difficult. Um, and I don't know anything about this family or this situation, you know, and the dynamics of this make it very variable is the right word, you know, depending on how often you see her, depending on what kind of uh, trust and relationship you've had with her as a child. But some of the things that I've seen parents do in situations like this is even things like shared journals, where there's a journal that gets passed back and forward. um, That's just a place where they can both talk and that they can take with them. And then when they have a question, they can drop it back to their mum's house. And, you know, there's, there's all sorts of those kind of clever ways that you can introduce more forms of communication than just face-to-face communication. Phone is hard for this stuff. It yeah. is. And, and text is too. You know, maybe going back to that old school letter approach is something that could help. That's, that's lovely, I think. And those letters can be reread. Yeah. you know again and thought put into them you yeah. know because if yeah. you're not actually living with your girl i imagine that the weight of every single word you say is going to land quite heavy mm. and so in these areas you're not just talking to her about her body because anyone can give her information you're talking to her about the beautiful person that she's growing into and how to value that yeah no that that's a i love the idea of the journal or the letters i think that's a that's a really lovely Lovely approach. Okay, so big question here. And I know when we were talking about this number of weeks back, uh, Michelle, this wasn't really an issue on the horizon, but consent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of really angry words in the media at the moment, and I think that we we need to perhaps dial it back to something that is respectful. But I'm just really keen because I know you've been having these conversations already this year. Um, yeah, heaps of so, them. <laughs> all right, go. Yeah. I'm pressing go. Wait. Right. Yeah, <laughs> my emails have been off the chart from schools wanting presentations yeah. in this area. Now, as they get older, the complexities around sexual activity and consent, because consent is not something that's limited to sexual activity at all. Yeah. You know, it's not something that's even limited to how we're using our body. So when we say no... You know, we want our kids to be able to realise that it's okay to put a full stop on the end of that. And how often do we find that hard as parents? Um, So when our kids are younger, we're not maybe diving into the 
the alcohol messy situations that we do when our kids are a lot older. But I tell you what, if we can set and hold a boundary as a parent, we're actually teaching them a lot about saying no and meaning it. You know, when we give our girls and boys a voice that they're really heard, even when, you know, Jackie, we've talked about, I can hear his man's voice coming around the corner. It's a little immature. It's a little rough around the edges, but I can hear it coming around the corner. Even when they're not at their finest and even when they're not mature, if we can give respect to their voice and really hear that opinion, we're teaching them consent. Every time they're having friendship challenges at school, and we teach them it's okay to push, push back with truth. You, it's not okay to be mean, but it's okay to hold your ground on something. We're teaching them about consent. So we've got to realize that this flows into all areas of our life with their relationship with their siblings, their relationship with us and their relationships at school. Yeah. So it's really, it's, it's a skill and it's a competency that really needs to be exercised early. Yeah. Yeah. In a variety of settings and applications. Yeah. So, folks, it's not just about sex. <laughs> I, I was horrified today. I, I read in the paper that, I mean, our police commissioner here, because I'm not in the same, I'm not in, not in Victoria, but, the, but a police commissioner who shall remain nameless <laughs> was talking about an app to, to register consent. I mean, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> and I always, always joke because, you know, I always joke there's an app for that because everybody's, you know, apps, this, apps, that. But an app for consent, seriously, I, I really, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I have not, I've not seen the app. I have not heard him say that, so I am not going to comment. No word. I, 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 I don't so, know. I mean, what? It, I, I won't even. I won't, I can just. I'm imagining the scenario where that could be used right now, but no. I can't even, I'm imagining scenarios and thinking this is just insane. You know, what happened to, you know, well, clearly we've let, you know, whole generations of, of children yeah. go through now who are now adults where this is this is even being talked about, where we don't have authority over, our, over ourselves, you know. And I tell um, you, we've got this generation of girls, Jackie, that know they're equal. They know they've got rights and power and so they should have. You know, there's this generation of girls that they're actually fighting something that's been around for all time. And now they've got this voice and this platform. And I'm seeing the fear in our young boys as well, though. And I I want us to be mindful of that because I have boys in grade 12 and they put up their hand and go, Miss, how do I know if I'm with a girl? She's not going to turn around and say that it wasn't consensual or, you know, that she didn't want to be with me. And I say to them, look, it's the same thing. You've got to know the person you're walking off with. You've got to know their character. And that doesn't happen in like an hour after you meet them at a party. Okay. You actually have to know you're putting your reputation in someone's hands. So it's a big topic. It's a huge it, topic. There's a lot to it. But I just think our boys and our girls, you know, deserve to be heard. And that some of the things that have been in the paper are never okay and not okay. And our girls have got a voice now and you can hear them roar. You put an unfair or an unhealthy boundary in front of a girl and you watch her go. And it's... um, And it's not just... I mean, we're talking about about girls specifically and that's really where the media has been. But but our boys too, you know, there's consent issues for our boys as well. And, uh, you know, that's... So parents, this is such an important important conversations to be having at home 
you know and, and you can like, see jackie how heavy this gets so quickly right does. And, and if I, I won't say some of the stuff on my mind or that i've been with with young people over the last few weeks because it's not facebook viewing but the reality is the conversations that we're having about puberty with our eight nine ten year olds research tells us that this helps them in the years to come yeah. and when our kids are eight nine ten you know they're, they're relatively easily to manage you know, we can't really imagine them giving us the finger yet. You know, they tell us to shut up and it's the end of the world, you know. And there may, and we're not sure, but there may come times in their life where this the rubber roots really hits a road with it and their back's up against something that they've really got to be strong with. And we don't know when these conversations are actually going to need to be built upon in yeah, the future. Exactly. So get in early. <laughs> Get in early and start building them up. So, Michelle, we've got some questions about your book. Okay. You really want to start talking about your book as we're we're just sort of coming to a bit of a wrap up. So there are two. Um, so uh, have you got it there too? No, I don't see in it. Oh, I I can show you in it, I can show you whatever. Okay, so let's start with the boys one because we've also had we've had questions about when is it good time to start having more in-depth conversation with our boys. What age is the book aimed for, for boys? And actually quite similar questions for the girls. So let's start with the boy question. Okay, so 8 to 12-year-olds, they can dip in and out of it, but parents of 8-year-olds are actually loving it. So it's got a set of characters that is through the book. Oh, lovely. oh don't you love it? You know what I'm and- going to do is I'm going to make you the main face on the screen for this because that way yep there you go you're and you all- can see me smiling we had such a lot of fun doing this and parents you get you'll actually get a little bit of a laugh out of it too the comics are really funny in places but there's adam and his dog rocket who's a bit of a guiding light through the book and then there's the sock and rocket loves chewing the sock and the sock and rocket have got a bit of a love-hate relationship so it's pretty fun mr testosterone i love it you love it puberty watch Sperm man, you know. Oh no, actually, that's us. <laughs> okay, sperm man. So they're all there, and it's it's a it's a lot of fun. So let me give you a few pages, hey? That'd be great. And if everyone's okay, we we had a little bit of trouble getting connected to Facebook Live earlier, so we were a little bit late starting. So if you're happy just to stick around for say another five minutes or so, we'll. Uh, We'll, um, we'll have our 45 minutes allotted. <laughs> so what do you want to see? There's so much to see, but like well, think, this is well, like think, the body think, parts. Yeah, but I think the lovely little journaling part that you've got in there. So there's all of the, the lovely, there's all the, all the information, but you've also got the lovely bit that you can actually, yes, that you can <laughs> journal as well. Yeah, there's journaling. Oh, look, you know, if you want to see this kind of stuff, yep, we'll talk to them how. Good. You know, helpful things, helpful things, new feelings. You want a bit about new feelings? Yes. She makes my heart flutter. And look at Rocket. Yep. Does it flutter like a sock in the breeze? Because <laughs> Rocket loves the sock. Lovely. <laughs> and, girl, and this is the boys' book too. It's got okay. some stuff about periods in it. Right. Super helpful. I find most mums are very, very accommodating of that. A few little fart jokes in there because, you know. Farts are always funny. It's about hygiene. We, yes. You know, we've got to up the hygiene. <laughs> so when it comes to um, so the girls' book, Michelle, 
<clears throat> okay, so the characters in this, similar. There's Olivia and there's Sprinkles who loves cupcakes, but the cupcake doesn't like to be eaten, so they chase each other around the book. Puberty Fairy, um, Snail Trail, Storm and an Egg. We've got the Menstrual Sisters. Is that cute? So you had a lot of fun getting putting this together. Oh yes. Now this is, puberty doesn't happen overnight. You don't just take yeah. one jump and bound into adulthood. You don't click your fingers. There's no fairy that come and wave magic dust on you. It happens slowly, so slowly. It's like a snail running a hundred meter race in four years. Yeah. And there's puberty watch timing. Oh, there we go. So it's kind of cute, isn't it? Yeah. You know. And so it's something that parents can read with their with their children. Absolutely. Yeah. Road of life, understanding that we grow and change all through our life and getting old is a big deal for everybody. Yeah. So people who are asking about the book, where can they get it from, Michelle? Just my website at the moment. There's, there's some um, independent bookstops that are stocking it, but michellemitchell.org is the place to get it. And there's lots of examples on the shop pages there too, so people okay, can check great. out a bit more. Great. That's fantastic. Congratulations. I think, you know, I think in every age there's a there's a need for um, some some help <laughs> in this area. So, um, and thank you. Thank you so much for your generosity. Um, Jerry's put up the um, Michelle's link um, to her workshop, to her, to her bookshop, to her website. Um and we, can we just ask too that we've got also got the link there. We've got a, a Survey Monkey link for this session just to let us know your thoughts if it is helpful, if it is useful, and some um, feedback there on um, other things that we might, other topics that we may cover. Um, please, please let us know. That would be great. Um, and just another general plug for some uh, other VPC news. We've got some community consultations coming up. Uh, so uh, they were emailed out. If you're already part of our, our news list. Um, you would have got that in the e-news, but also check out the website because there's some information there. We've got more coming up um, with Michelle uh, later in the year. So please, uh, please take note and, and register for those. So can you please join me in saying thank you to Mich the very wonderful Michelle Mitchell um, for being with us this evening. Uh, it's always a joy to see you, Michelle. Thank you very much for your time, your generosity, your candour. And making, I think, what is usually has been a generally very awkward and difficult time for parents, not to mention how the kids must be feeling, um, just giving us those helpful tips because that's um, it's been really, really valuable tonight. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So thank you, folks. That's an, another VPC Live um, done for the year, our very first one. Loved having you with us. Thank you for all of the questions. Some of those that um, were a little bit more personal, we'll get back to you as, as best we can with that information. Um, but have a lovely evening, folks. It's been wonderful having you with us. Bye now. Bye, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you to our guest speaker. We hope you enjoyed today's topic. Want to know more about this podcast and other VPC podcasts? please visit the VPC website, vicparentscouncil.vic.edu.au and leave a review. We would also welcome you to contact us if you would like to be our guest or if you have a topic around parenting and education. Thank you to Melbourne singer Emma Sydney for her permission to use her soundtrack, Cherish. 
Until next time, thank you for listening.